got a secret, can you keep it? Swear this one you'll save. Better lock it in your pocket, taking this one to the grave. If I show you, then I know you. This is episode 452 for December 2016, our last show of the year. You're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas, and that opening song is called Secret by the Pierces. And we're going to talk about a secret, because uh, in this fight club, Norman is going to learn Peter's secret, or Spider-Man's secret, vice versa. But uh, before we get to our fight, uh, I've got a couple areas of business. I want to thank a couple people that help uh, donate to the site. Uh, since our last episode, I want to name them personally. Thank you, Brian, Muhammad, Gene, Jovell, Daryl, Christopher, and Craig. Thanks for throwing a few dollars into our PayPal pot. If you'd like to support this show on our website and you like what we do, I'd appreciate your support. Log on to our front page at SpidermanCrawlspace.com. Look for a widget and a button on the right-hand side that says support this site via PayPal, and it'll help pay the bandwidth costs it takes to host 450-plus episodes upon our server. Also, another area of business. Our January Fight Club, you're going to pick it. George uh, has asked me to tell everybody that uh, in January we would like the listeners to pick the fight that we discuss. And, you know, George tends to not like Venom a lot, and I don't think we've ever done a Venom fight, or we haven't done an Ultimate fight, or something that you've been listening to Fight Club and you've been saying to yourself, why haven't they discussed this fight, this famous Spider-Man fight? Uh, So now is your chance. Here's how you do it. You log on to our front page at SpiderManCrawlspace.com. Uh, look for this episode posting, uh, and it'll be on uh, December 30th. So maybe go back in the archives if you check it out a couple days late. And in the comments section, that's where you suggest what fight we should pick. Issue number, etc. Put that down. Also, the, these posts automatically get put on Facebook. If you would like to uh, suggest a fight there, put that in the comments there. Uh, just type in Spider-Man Crawl Space on Facebook, and you can pull us up and like it. Uh, I don't plug the Facebook page that much. I should, shouldn't I? Uh, We've got like 3,000 people that do it, but uh, more the merrier. So January's fight is going to be picked by you. We'll look through them and we'll pick the one that has the most votes or the most common repeated fight request. All right, gang, we're going back to talk about a classic 60s fight, one of the biggest game changers in Spider-Man's history. Here we go. We've got George and JR is here because we're talking about one of the best Green Goblin fights with Spider-Man. We're going back to September 1966 and, uh, well, August 1966 and September 1966 for Amazing Spider-Man 39 and 40. And uh, normally we want to give context uh, on these things. We set up, you know, the set of circumstances, what's going on these days in the books, why are we where we are. And uh, normally I tackle that, but I will defer to Jr. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, I I feel lost. I mean, this isn't my segment. I mean, I I feel adrift almost. But, uh, yeah, issue number, uh, amazing 39 and 40, or also known as Norman Gets the Stupids. Because th- th- this, this, I tell you, folks, this is a painful one to read. It oh. really is. Um, 
uh, it's, 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 it's extreme. You know, it, it's funny. I mean, this is an extremely significant, significant issue. First for many, senior issue. Oh yeah. For yeah. many, many Did, reasons. Ditko I mean, just it, left. Yep. Right. George just mentioned like really one, one of the first ones was, uh, this was the, uh, beginning of, uh, the John Romita senior, uh, run on amazing Spider-Man. And, uh, you know, even though I've been, you know, there was one, um, article i read many 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 years ago that t- compared ditko and romita uh and uh, basically basically came to the conclusion that no one but ditko could have helped stan create spider-man but nobody but romita could have helped take him to the next level of popularity that's uh, and that's that's probably true um and you uh, i mean definitely there's a you know n- you know not just romita coming in but there's definitely a change in attitude uh, as far as the uh, the series and the tone it takes, I mean, you know, Ditko, you know, in in like you know the year prior to this, well, it's funny because in the prior issue, which was a guy named Joe, uh, Spider Man walks by some mannequin and he says it reminded him of Ned Leeds and he slugs it and he goes, you know, I hate you, Leeds, <laughs> you know, because you can propose to Betty, blah blah blah. blah. And then issue number thirty nine is like, hey, Ned, how you doing? Oh, well, hey, you want Betty? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> you want Betty? Go right ahead. I'll get my licks in in about another 160 issues, but right now you go right ahead. Um, but uh, and but yeah, I mean, and then Flash is you know Flash comes to oh gee Peter's not so bad of a guy after all, and and Harry goes from being one of Peter's tormentors to uh, you know uh, a buddy, and and Gwen stops trying to slap Peter. Uh, I mean, really, it's just a, a, a sea change uh, from Ditko to Romita. Um, and, yeah. um, so yeah, that, that, and obviously of course the, re, you know, the reveal of the green goblins identity, the, the first, uh, the first, you know, time a supervillain, uh, <clears throat> finds spy figures out Spider-Man's secret identity. Actually, it was the first time anybody did prior to all the retcons. Yeah. Uh, you know, now we know that Mary Jane was the first one to know, to notice, and, and I don't even know if the Green Goblin's the first villain to realize it now after everything's been so, you know, like I said, we've had all kinds of untold stories and untold tales and, yeah. you know, tales from the toilet or, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But anyway, 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 I said this issue was Norman gets the stupids and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and, 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 as soon as page two of issue number 39, you can see it because at the very bottom of the page, Nor- the Green Goblin is saying, I've modified my rocket powered flying broomstick so that it's faster and more maneuverable than ever. He's working on his glider, you know, <laughs> so, it, you know, the, the flying broomstick he used in issue 14 <laughs> uh, right. and, and then he gave and then he gave it up, I think, uh, and then went yeah. to the glider. But he's talking about so. So, you know, he's just, you know, either his vision, his vision is going or his mind is going. You know, he's just going to get his ass kicked. So, <laughs> but he's so confident when he, when he streams off into the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I it just you got to love the way that in the 60s the way villains talk to themselves. I mean, it's not like issue 66 where it's like what two and a half to three pages of Mysterio talking to himself, but you know, we got we got a, a couple of pages of Norman talking to himself and mm-hmm. it's it's I mean, th- this is just so vintage 60s. Uh <laughs> I, I it, it's 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 bad. I mean, it really is bad. Uh but it's again, it's just it's 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 definitely a product of its times. It's a product of its times, and it's it's easy for us to go back and look at it one way through the prism of time. Yeah. Uh, because when this was out, it wasn't bad. No, oh, I loved it. 
Uh, this was right. yeah. I mean, and by bad, because I don't look at this and I and think and think that it's bad. I, I look at it and say that's just how storytelling was at the time. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't necessarily translate so well today, you know. But that's just that's just how it was done back then, uh, you know. And I, I can look at it and appreciate it uh, for what it is because I have a soul and I'm not a goddamn monster. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know why you still have a soul is because you haven't been married twenty seven years. I lost mine a long time ago. Exactly, <laughs> it, it's amazing because like I'm 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 forty four, and this is this is a true story. I, I I'm not, and this isn't me bragging or anything. This is just talking about, I guess, and it's not me being anti marriage or anti family. I love kids. I love kids to death. Although I will never, as long be, as they're not yours, right? I will never be married in a billion years. Well, no, I I I kind of I I'm. I, I hate that I that I won't be a dad because I don't want to get married. I guess I could be a dad, but I don't want to. You know what I mean? I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that route. You know, because I think like if you're a kid, you should have a dad and a mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that are always there. That's just me. I am old fashioned. I'm you know I'm not poo pooing anyone's life choices. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that's not for me. So, but I, I, I come up to people. You know, I see people that I like went to high school with or other people, and the people that got married typically are the ones who they seem older than they are well i'm gonna i'm gonna get a lot of heat for this probably <laughs> i shouldn't say anything but no i'm I'm dead serious and and people at, like they see me and they're like oh my god it's like you haven't changed at all i mean like you're you know you're you're fatter and balder but aside from that <laughs> you know it's like you haven't really changed it's like you're the same person it's like because i never got married i never i never had to take any, any care of anybody but me and in the interim, I filled my head with a bunch of useless junk like Spider-Man knowledge, you know, and <laughs> and and all this stuff about history and all those other things, and you know, and I have time to to do things that married people don't. And it's just like, I don't know. I guess that's true, Jr. I guess it's like a, it, it, it maybe it sucks the life out of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what 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 a pitch! Now hit. <laughs> Oh wow, that was a hanging curveball. Uh, <laughs> has time to point after the pitch is thrown. Wow. Now <laughs> you've left the man speechless, George. I know I did. I did. I just, I, that's hard. Well, it's like he just took all my lines. You know, it's kind of like you know when you're when you're about to deliver a punchline and then somebody mm-hmm. does it for you and you're just kind of like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. I actually, I, I've actually told people before that I'm 44, and they're like, shut up, you you are not. My boss didn't believe I was 44. I had to show my boss it worked my license to prove that I was like – he was like, you're only six years younger than me. And I was like, yeah, and he was like, I don't believe that. That's not that's not possible. And I was like, well, you know, he, he's married and divorced and has four kids. So now I was see, like – yeah. you know, I was like, there you go. That's what happened. Now, see, well, I have the opposite problem. I uh, went to uh, – took my daughter and son uh, a few months ago to see suicide squad yeah. and they gave me the senior senior ticket discount without even asking how you know oh. whether i qualified or not and uh oh, oh. And, th- and then uh like recently my son was in the high school musical uh they did catch me if you can and uh 
the 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 first show it's almost like kind of like a the, like you know on broadway they do the dress rehearsal uh well this was kind of like that like on thursday they have a show for seniors and veterans and uh you know spencer's always giving me a hard time because he really hates it when people think i'm his grandfather i don't know why he let, makes it he lets it bother him so much but it really bothers him so he made a comment about yeah dad you know you can get in the show today because you're so old and so i thought well you little smart ass i'm gonna do it and uh, sure enough i walked in on senior day and no one challenged me so Aww. i got that beat jr i got oh, yeah? that yeah because when i was younger um my mom was only 19 when she gave birth to me all right she was 19 years old uh and they were they finally got a time when oh i guess it was late in high school early college where i started to look a little older than i was because i had a beard and my mom still looked really young, and people used to confuse us as a married couple when we went out, <laughs> like if we went places. And let me tell you what, that's awkward. I don't doubt it. <laughs> oh, my God. It got to the point where anytime, like, my, like if my mom and I went, went somewhere from lunch, I would repeatedly say mom over and over and over and over again in front of whoever could hear it. Hey, mom, look at this. <laughs> mom, can I get this? You know, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Just so people would understand. And I'm like, please do not look at us as like, oh my God, look, are y'all here for your anniversary? No, shut up. I'll kill you. <laughs> so I, I got that beat, I think. That's funny. And I meanwhile, people are like, it. this is huh? fight. People are like, this is fight club. Come on. Yeah, people are like, this is great and all. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you guys need a shrink, but can we get back? <laughs> yeah. All right. So actually, uh, in here, the, the fight kind of starts off, the fight that we're going to cover kind of starts off at the end of the issue. Um, and Peter's walking back home to, uh, to Aunt May. At first, I thought maybe this was Central Park when I was – but then I was like, no, wait. We're, we're there in Forest um, forest Lawn. Forest Hills. Forest Hills, pardon me. Yep. Forest Lawn's a cemetery. Never mind. That's where um, one of these people are going to end up. Yeah. Well, I guess and, not. They get better, don't they? And, and, so, and so the Green Goblin attacks Peter uh, right there next to uh, Aunt May's house – or right next to Peter's house. Uh, and and he starts using I, I don't know if he's used the uh, like the black smoke from his glider here before this Jr. Can you remember? Is this first? I don't time think. He, I don't think. Yeah, I think this is the first time he's used it. Yeah. Okay, and I think there's a couple of other things he uses for the first time later on. Um, and, and so he chokes Peter, and he's circling around him on the on the on the goblin glider. Uh, and he's taunting him the whole time. He's like the great Spider-Man, nothing more than a, than a callow youth, a pathetic stri- uh, stripling. Back when people still used words like stripling. Stri- the hell's a stripling? <laughs> Today, whenever you, uh, it's it's a it's a teeny tiny stripper stripper about three feet tall. <laughs> I'm about to say today, if you heard tripling, you're thinking there's like a 20 involved. <laughs> Make it rain, there's, there's a 20 involved in a, in, a, in a hands-off policy. Make it rain, goblin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, so he's got Peter. He's got Peter on the on the ropes. Peter's trying to defend himself. He's you know jumps up in a tree to try to get away from the smoke. Uh, Norman blasts at him with uh, with his. Uh, Finger blaster, which for the life of me, is it me, Jr. Or have they called that thing like a dozen different things over the years? Uh, you know, I, I don't know that they've I, I, sparkle blast. They've called them sparkle blast before. Um, Can we not call it that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would sure. help me tremendously. Can we call it something else. <laughs> 
sparkle. Uh, does it bother? Does that bother you as much as Goblin Splooge does, Brad? Oh, maybe worse. Oh God, <laughs> gosh. But yeah, That's I think called there's, it... there's something there's something not very macho about a supervillain who <laughs> who does sparkle burst from his sleep. <laughs> Yeah, it's just not. You're, you're tearing Red, down. Those, those are those are awesome. You're tearing down how much J, uh, Jr. loves the Goblin calling it sparkle. Oh no, <laughs> I, don't no, think, no. no I, I recognize. I recognize the absurdity of this character. I mean, uh, I mean, it's like I, I, back years ago when I uh, guested on um, the John Wilson's. Um, show mm-hmm. and we were doing one of the crime master stories and you know it was the goblin and the crime master you know and they were kind of at a mobster convention and i was just thinking you know mobsters coming up oh yeah i'm with the crime master see that guy oh, who are you with oh i'm with the guy with the the purple booties you know <laughs> the purple pointed I'm, I'm with the guy with the purple pointed booties <laughs> <laughs> is that is that why you hate the secret wars number one so much <laughs> uh, we 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 had a whole show about no. That. Let's not have another one about it <laughs> because of the whole. I am with. I am this person. That, that was part of it. That was part. That was part of it. But it was uh, mm. also because it was such a cynically devised thing to begin with. So anyway, mm. <laughs> Did, we had we've had a show on that. There's we we, yes. we don't need no no no. I'm not I'm not I'm not opening. I'm not saying let's do that. I'm just saying you know. I I think now why I see the psychosis happened. <laughs> you know, I, I think I see the the, the root of the problem. Uh, um, but no, this whole fight, uh, you know, Peter's out of costume. He, he's 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 caught on the ropes. He's Goblin's got surprised. He's throwing razor bats at him, hitting him with his finger blasters a couple of times. Uh, even when Peter lunges at him, he manages to to thwart Peter off using the finger blasters, and then throws one of his uh, little ghosts at him. The uh, the what is he called? His uh, asphyxiation grenade. And later on, remember, uh, the Hobgoblin modifies those to uh, nullify his spider sense. Yeah. Which I always thought was really cool. And has nothing to do with this fight, pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after, after incapacitating him, uh, Goblin, of course, wraps him up in his lasso of truth. <laughs> and then hauls him around up into the sky, which is, you know, where we got the iconic cover. No doubt. Uh, that is uh, on you know at the start of this issue, and where uh, he finally gets Peter back to his uh, to his lab, and then reveals himself to be Norman Osborn. Now, Jr. Uh, back when this issue came out, you were on your third marriage, on <laughs> <laughs> your second mortgage. Um, how did you how did you react to this? That was. Uh- well, let's see. Uh, yeah, maybe I was did have all that, but I think I had the mind of a three-year-old at the time. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I don't really remember. I don't really remember. This. Do you remember uh, reading it for the first time, though? Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember reading it for the first time. Uh, I, like I said, the issue thirty-nine is. Uh, I mean, and I've talked about this more than once on the show. I mean, I'm getting like my wife's aunt, great aunt Verbena and repeating my <laughs> stories. But, uh, you know, issue issue 39. Yeah, Verbena was the 84-year-old woman I got in a fight with and almost lost. But uh, uh, issue 39 was, was that infamous issue that I, you know, I saved like up to – I saved up my nickels and dimes to $4.50 and, you know, bought it at the book broker in Evansville, Indiana back in the uh, – 
or late seventies or early eighties or something yeah. like that. And, you paid four you know, bucks like, for it back then. Yeah, and like my dad said, you know, like my dad came home and I've always, like I've always said, he said, "Hey, Jared, did you get anything at the store today?" And you know, and I didn't want to tell him because I, I didn't want to tell him that I'd spent four dollars and fifty cents on that comic book. <laughs> it, it would be easier to tell him, Dad, I picked up a handful of nudie mags. <laughs> <laughs> or Dad, I Dad, I wrecked the car. You know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but you know it's funny because I was I was thinking about this because I bought because you know I I got number thirty nine but I didn't get issue number forty. Um, and at the, the reason at the was time, at the time, yeah. Well, one I didn't have another four and a half bucks. Yeah. But uh, but when I did have another four and a half bucks, and uh, my mother my mother had to go to Evansville a lot. Uh, that's that's where the doctors were. I mean, I grew up in a really small town, uh, so she always had to go to uh, drive an hour away to go to some of her doctors. Uh, and, uh, so she was going to go to the book broker for me and pick this up. And I got home and she didn't have it. It's like, mom, why didn't you pick up? Well, I, well, cause it had, the cover was torn. You know, there was a big gash in the cover or whatever. You wouldn't have wanted that. Would you? If I said, I ah, no, no, I wouldn't have. But, <laughs> but see, the thing is back in this day, I, there was, there was no other place that anywhere that I was aware of that sold back issues. Yeah. It was the book broker in Evansville, Indiana. And that was it. Yeah. I don't think I went to another comic book, uh, uh store that had a back issue bin until like the nineties. Um, I mean, cause comic book stores were not that prevalent, you know, in the seventies yeah. and, and the early eighties. They just weren't. So, and <laughs> no, no Marvel no. unlimited, no internet, no, uh, no Marvel tales. Maybe. Yeah, that's how I got some of these stories. Yeah. And, you know, I, I started picking up Marvel Tales, but yeah, I mean, it just—I uh, mean, I guess I could have done mail order, but yeah. you know, I mean, when, when you, if you remember those comic, you know, if you remember the comics and all the ads yeah. in the comics oh, yeah. back in those days, you know, I mean, you know, you always felt that these were all con people, con men, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they write a check, put books. it in an envelope with the issues you want. Sure, you'll get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and also you know, sell grit and buy seeds. <laughs> grit. You know? grit, grit, man. What was grit? I remember the a, ads. Some kind of, it was, some was kind it a newsletter. Of, yeah, it was kind of a newsletter magazine yeah. typeish thing. A newsine for a boys. Newsine, yeah. yeah, I don't even, I don't know what the hell it covered, but you know, you could all, you could make money and win all sorts of prizes if you sold grit. Back then, that. if there was an online, or today, if there was an online version of Grid, it'd be like, Cooties, five things you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like, click, It's one of those click, Grit is 60s clickbait. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Oh, Perfectly. that's awesome. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Am I far I mean, off on just, that? Are? I mean, oh, that's pretty accurate. No, that's no. Funny. I never read it, but it was just, it's. I mean, honestly, this is just really a, a weird trip down memory lane. I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> today, I don't know. I guess, I guess that's what us old men do is we sit and we talk about old times and we talk about how youngsters don't understand how hard we had it. But uh, it really was it really was a, a very different time, a very it different time. Yeah. It was. It was a lot different. Um, <clears throat> now, we start issue number 40. Here, before we go, uh, first first round, Norman, right? Oh God, yes! Yeah. Oh Lord, no! He, he he kicked the shit out of Peter. No doubt. I mean, this is. All I mean, I, is there any doubt? I mean, at the end of the issue, he has Peter. You know, he's hauling Peter around through the sky on a rope. I, I know. You know, and then has him tied up to a chair. Right, Norman, round one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Norman has done something. You know, it's it's funny. Norman's done something 
that no one else has done. I mean, basically he called him by his name. I mean, he just, yes. he showed up and said, I know you're Spider-Man and that has probably, that probably, you know, threw Peter completely off of his game. This was you know, the first, have, uh, shit just got real moment for, for, Spider- yeah. for Peter. Yeah. And, and of course through the, the whole thing <laughs> is, is he's worried about Aunt May because, you know, doc, you know, Dr. Bromwell, you know, you know, told oh. Peter early on, she can't have any shocks. The next one could be fatal. And it's like, uh, yeah, you know, and you're sitting there thinking about realizing how little Stanley knew about medicine and biology and everything <laughs> like that. You know, it's like, if someone, if someone's, you know, if trick or treaters show up, Aunt May will die of a heart attack. You know? <laughs> so go, it, it's just that stupid. Oh, you know, she shouldn't have any shocks, you know, and, Oh, it's just, it, but again, that's all part. I mean, again, that's all part of its weird ass Six, charm. Sixties comics, man. Yeah. Yep. Sixties comics. This is, uh, before we start the story on this one, uh, <clears throat> and get into a little more, the, um, the, you know, the, the first sequence, uh, or the first few pages when Norman is just talking to Peter, yeah. uh, in the lab. Um, this to me is, is, is a, is a big reason why I, I look at when we talk about art. I look at why this part. This is partly why uh, Romita's stuff became so iconic and was so accepted as quickly as it was following Ditko, because he did different things as far as perspective. Like you see, like uh, on that second page, you know, you've got Norman's face in the foreground and Peter's in the background. You know what I mean? Like he he framed things differently. Yeah. And and everything looked a little more. It reflected the tension going on a little bit better, I also think. Also, <clears throat> Romita's people are a little bit more attractive. All of them. They are. Although, although I, I think Romita here, because we see Betty at one point, and I looked, I remember uh, going back and rereading this, and I was like, you know, Betty looks a little Ditko-ish there still. I think, I, I think well, maybe... You know, yeah, I've read that he his first couple issues, he was trying to copy Ditko as much as he could because he was yeah. fearful that he would tank the book. Yeah, and I can yeah. see that. He's like, you know what? Just kind of slowly morph it into my style as I go yeah. along and sort of ease it in. And that's that's actually smart thinking on Romita's part. But it's Romita, yeah. and he's awesome. Exactly. Um, so basically, uh, we, we, we get a, a telling of the origin story. And before we get into this, because I'm going to kick it back to JR for this, um, really, there hadn't been any moments leading up to this where we were meant to believe that Norman Osborn was the Green Goblin had their JR. No. 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 Um, what about Jameson's fact, Club? No. Okay. No, there was no. Uh, there was really no. I mean, this wasn't like uh, Stern was trying to do with the Hobgoblin or anything, and you know, trying to lay little clues here and there, um, you know, as to, and and then have the big reveal later. Uh, it, the the Goblin's origins have always kind of been sh- shrouded in controversy mm-hmm. uh, because Stan doesn't remember a damn thing. And then <laughs> Steve Ditko, and then Steve Ditko only sees the world through Steve Ditko, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but, but for, for years, it was, always, for years, it was speculated that the reason that Stan and Steve broke up, like the Beatles broke up or whatever, that was because they disagreed over the Green Goblin's identity, which I never believed. Uh, but it was, people could understand it because it made, people believed it because it, it's something that made sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, rather than just, you know, looking at it now and, and realizing that it was just the slow disillusion of a relationship, a personal, a personal and professional relationship. Uh, you know, and, and it, it, Stan did not man it, but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, but so there was always, always that, that, um, you know, they, people thought that, but then finally, I mean, <clears throat> Ditko said, 
that he introduced the goblin early on, and then he introduced the goblin's son. So Ditko, and this is in one of those one of those interviews he gave to some little publication that this fellow used to publish. I mean, it's, you have to go and look for some of Ditko's interviews. I mean, they're yeah. just not there in the comics magazine. You gotta go look for them really hard. But he's he made he's he, Ditko the way Ditko talked like he had an idea who the Goblin was because remember the Goblin originally when Stan created the Green Goblin it was an Egypt it was a spirit released from an Egyptian sarcophagus. Um, uh, and you know, Ditko, uh, was, you know, pretty much always wanted to keep <clears throat> Spider-Man fairly well grounded. So he just made him a, 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 a colorful costume character, but, it, but listening to Ditko, I mean, although he didn't mention Osborne by name, um, when he said that he introduced the goblin's son at one point, that pretty well leads you to believe that he intended Norman to be the goblin, but there was really no lead up to it. And uh, what I, there was no lead up to anybody. <clears throat> what I read is Ditko didn't want it to, uh, Peter to know the person, just to be a mis- uh, random person. I have heard that, but yeah. I've not seen. You know, I've not seen D- a, a Ditko's quote, quote Ditko. from him. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people. I think it's a lot of people interpreting what they think mm-hmm. Ditko. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and that goes back to the whole. Well, they dis, they, they, Stan and Steve split up because uh, they disagreed over the identity. That yeah, uh, yeah which, I don't. I've never believed that. Yeah, um, it just, I, I guess it made sense to people, but uh, I, I think that uh, Ditko's own words have. I mean, Ditko said he had an idea who it was. Mm-hmm. That pretty well, you know, shoots that theory down altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but real, I mean, in the whole Stan and Steve thing, though, I mean. Uh, Really, I mean, when you think about it, Stan did not manage, you know. I mean, it, it's in uh, it, Ditko. I, I well, actually, won't, won't we be probably talking about it uh, sometime in our regular show when we have another segment of Ditko yeah. News? Yeah, that, that's coming up. Into well, this is a December show, so you'll have heard yeah, the Ditko yeah. News already because yeah. we record these every month, once a month, right? Not. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, this anyway once you see this, I mean, uh, and I won't uh, spoil it for anybody or whatever, since we'll obviously talk about it. But when uh, when you read some of Ditko's quotes, I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty obvious what happened in the relationship. There's no mystery. There, there's really no mystery. I mean, uh, there's nothing sinister or anything behind it. You know, you just had two just very two, different people. Yeah, and, just two guys drift yeah. apart. They don't work. It's, well it's together. the same thing as like Stan and Kirby. It's just it happened sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, it all goes back to Stan had an extremely poor managerial style. I mean, you know, we've all, you know, Stan did not manage. Stan avoided confrontation. And, it, you know, if, if you've ever had uh, a manager who refused to manage, I mean, if you work for somebody who refused <clears throat> to manage, that's almost as bad as working for, for an autocrat. Because then, because he never takes care of anything and everything just festers. And hard feelings fester, you know, and nothing gets resolved and nothing ever gets hashed out. Nobody sits across the table and works something out because the manager never, you know, he never brings people together. Um, so anyway, that's that's going off on. Well, no, I mean, you can because it's you're, you're right. I'll, I'll defend Stan on the fact that when 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 all this happened, Stan was still very young mm-hmm. and 40. I mean, Stan, well, for for to be. To be in charge of what he was. Okay. Yeah, he'd been doing this for a long. I mean, for several he'd been, years. He'd been writing. Yeah. You know, and and things like that. But you know, he didn't. He wasn't really coming from a business background. Right. You know what I mean? And and so I, 
I don't want to. I don't know everything about his experience before then, but he didn't have a whole lot of managerial experience going in. He was he was more creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was hired because he was what Martin Goodman's cousin, you right? Know I mean? yep. So uh, you know, I mean, it's so there's there you know, there's that to consider. Could things have been handled differently? Sure. I look at it's weird because I look at Marvel and I look at how dysfunctional you know the the early bull, Marvel bullpen was. You know, during the uh, even during the because you can go back and listen to that uh, that you know mighty Marvel marching society, and you can hear them talking on the record. And you think all of you hate each other. <laughs> you know, that's that's an exaggeration, but I mean, there's there's an element of truth to it. Yeah, but at the well, same I, time, huh? No, I was about to say, and it makes sure. Well, I I, I was going to bring. I was going to take us up to the Jim Shooter era, but go ahead, George. Well, I, no, at the same time, though, I, I, I go back and I look – because they were wildly successful despite that. And then I go over and I look at EC Comics, who were the polar opposite. EC Comics, while successful, eventually went out of business be, for reasons not of their own. Um, but at the same time, they were a collaborative effort. I mean everyone – they sat down. They, they discussed things. Um uh, Games was very was like here artist writer you know and back then it was really it was it was the writer or it was the artist doing the writing um, or through a lot of it and he was like he trusted their instincts go do it trusting your instincts is not something that Stan really did or uh, for people who weren't Stan does that make sense because hmm. Stan Stan knew exactly where th- he wanted things to go he was like. All right, we're gonna have this, and then this needs to happen, and that needs to happen, and that needs to happen, and then he sort of let the artist come up with, you know, how to get from point A to point B. But he was still directing where it was going. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or my, or my off, Jr. No, I mean you're right, but, uh, uh, but I was about to say I, I really, I, I'm starting to step in the areas that I don't know that I'm fully an expert on. What I was just going <laughs> to say was, I mean, you know, yeah, he made it, you know, Stan made it work. But he also kind of, you know, sowed the seeds for a lot of problems. Um, and um, I think, you know, when you, when you think about the Jim Shooter era, it, it kind of puts that in perspective, too, because, you know, you had Stan who, you know, like I said, didn't really manage very well. He wasn't he wasn't a businessman type. He was a more creative type. And then after Stan left, it was kind of a rotating. Uh, it, it was like musical chairs, you know, what Roy Thomas and. Jerry Conway. I mean, everybody had their turn as like the editor in chief. I think Roy uh, had, had a better sense of how to handle people. I think, yeah, Roy probably was a better manager. I don't Which know. Which is why weird because Roy was younger, like way, way yeah. younger. Roy the boy, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but then when Shooter took over, I mean, and and I can see, you know, with Shooter's personality and the fact that you know Shooter was determined to make the trains run on time. Uh, I mean, nobody had really done that before. And, and, you know, and I've been in this position where, you know, I've gone from a manager who didn't manage to one who decided that they were going to manage. Um, and it, it's just like, it, it's, it's a shock. It's just an absolute shock. I mean, you, you resent, you resent the new manager basically making you accountable. Uh, it's, it's almost a subconscious thing. You know, you resent it, uh, because the, oh, the other guy never made you do it. And you were pretty well allowed to do what you wanted. And then when somebody actually comes in and tries to manage and hold you accountable, you get all mad and pissed off. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that, and I think Shooter's personality too. I think it's pretty apparent. Shooter, I mean, you know, the fact that Shooter's always right, 
You know, he, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you read his blog, he was never wrong. But I don't know. We're 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 getting off. But that that, that really kind of <laughs> illustrated to me why that was such a sea change for Marvel when Shooter came on board. And again, that's interesting because, like, under Shooter, Marvel that was like their boom time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the licensing started to go out through the roof. Mm-hmm. You know, during that time, and you uh, so many things became started started to move from from. Uh, you know, just comics, you know, stardom or toy stardom or cartoon into pop culture. You know, Um, it didn't begin there. It had begun a lot during the 70s. You had a lot of uh, rock bands started going around wearing like Captain America t-shirts and crap like that. But but anyway, we're we're so wildly off base now. (laughs) People are like, that's great. See, that's what happened, right? But see, when people tune into this show, they they don't just get comic books they get comics history that's true and a fight <laughs> and a fight and I mean, a fight a, a lot of the times brad you and i segue on to i agree why things are important or, well this or this is an important these are two very important issues in his histories and we can't this is a colossal i mean this isn't just a colossal this didn't just bring about colossal story changes it brought about colossal creative changes yes so it's it's a very impactful time. It's a very and and so Norman gets into telling his origin. Jr. Do you want to do you want to talk a, a little bit about that? Do you want to explore well, that? Yeah, this this is actually you know, and like I said, this is where like Norman gets the stupids. This is <laughs> this is one of the most belabored, prolonged uh, example of monologuing that you will ever see. Uh, because I think at, at no less than three different times, you know, Norman starts to veer off. Crazy needs an audience, Jr. <laughs> and, then, and then Peter gets him worked up again, and he starts up again, and then he settles down, and then Peter gets him worked up again. If you were watching a movie, by about the third time, you would go, "Oh, come on!" You know. And and my favorite part of the absurdity is is uh, when um, what what is it here? Uh, oh yeah, where. Peter's like, you know, deciding to goad him because Peter's trying to get loose from these steel coils that have got him tied to this this, this chair. Yeah. And so he's trying to, you know, keep Norman talking. And then Norman says, oh, you know, you, you, you want to hear the truth? You never beat me. I'll prove it to you. So what he does is he puts on this little gadget on his head. Mm. I can project mental pictures of our Norman, Norman's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> This retroscope helmet, you know, and so like this little thing projects images of like all the previous battles and stuff. I mean, this is a story that's kind of been retold, you know, over and over. I think Spider-Man Blue was probably the most, uh, you know, notable example of this. This the the thing with the rotoscope always kind of gets left out in the retell. I forgot about that. Oh man, (laughs) it's his slides from his uh, from his vacation. His vacation of crime. His vacation of crime. Hey, look at this slide. Remember the time? Yeah. One thing. One thing I like. One thing I did like about. um, Well, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in here. I mean, even amongst the silliest stuff, because you know, you see Norman. uh, You you see how Norman was deluded about his relationship with his son, even you know early on. You know, he talks about what a great father he was to Harry, but as you can see in the panels, you know, he thought he was, but he really wasn't. I mean, you know, he, he'd buy Harry things, but he wouldn't spend any time with him. He'd take Harry to baseball games, but he wouldn't take, he wouldn't talk baseball with him or anything else. And, you know, and, uh, so that, you know, so you kind of, you know, get an early hint on that, that Norman was a pretty shitty father. Uh, <laughs> 
And, and the thing is, another thing I like though is, you know, he's he, Norman's like, he, and he explains how he found the Goblin formula, and he he says, um, you know, after he's had Mendel Strom thrown in jail, uh, he sees, oh, these notes of Strom's, which I found in his desk, contain some strange new, no, new strange looking formulas. So what am I going to do with these new strange looking formulas? I'm just going to start mixing shit up right here on the kitchen table. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean that's literally what he does. He does it. He says the formulas are all strange looking. So it's like, what the hell? I'm going to start playing with him. It's a, and then, yeah. then, then it's like, oh wait a minute, this solution is turning green. Why? Well, what do you mean? Why you dumbass? It's because you started pouring. <laughs> And this is your favorite villain. You're tearing him apart. <laughs> I, know, I know, but it's so funny. I mean, it's, you know, it's like it's bubbling because you're mixing shit that you have no idea what it is. <laughs> you know, and then it blows up in his face. You know, duh. I wonder why that oh, happened. Um, but one thing I do like, though, another thing I like is um, in later years, like you know. Uh, Sometimes uh, writers try to come up with like tortured reasons why villains did certain things, you know, because, we, we, you know, I mean, 30, 40 years later, the, all the, the villains always have to have some kind of tortured logic behind everything they do. And, and Paul Jenkins, when he was taking a spin on Norman's background, he, you know, he had, you know, Norman's dad threw him in an abandoned house and left him there all night. And Norman's imagination ran wild and he imagined that he heard a green goblin, you know, scratching around. You know, like, you know, trying to come up with a reason why Norman became the Green Goblin. And here in the comic book. Okay, and and, 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 and Jenkins defense, goblins were a very big thing, like around Halloween, like in the in the like 20s and 30s, like around the time Norman would have been a kid. Uh huh. That that actually makes sense. Okay, but but then in the, uh, the the but it's a green goblin that haunts him, for example. Well, yeah, but, I mean, it's it's a little convenient, but at the same yeah. time. <laughs> but but it, it but in issue thirty nine, you know, uh, Stan has Norman, you know, finishing his costume. The face is perfect. Now to design the rest of the costume, I'll make it my favorite color, green. So it's like no more psychologically deep than it was just his favorite color. Um, <laughs> Oh, which, wait, which, which you know, of course, it's the same that covers up the uh, the printing thing at the time of the green and purple. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like yeah, you, ha- you, bas- you basically can only do primary and uh, secondary colors mm-hmm. uh, back in those days. That's why that's why Gray Hulk never was gray originally yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in some of the uh, in, in some of these things. Um, but anyway, so 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 Norman is given this whole you know tortured explanation about his relationship with his son. Uh, and then, you know, how he got his superpowers or whatever. And then, you know, Peter then decides to stir, you know, he calms down. Peter decides to stir him up again. And that's then when Norman pulls out the retroscope helmet, you know, and he's <laughs> these little images. And they, it sounds like you know, something like, that is like an ad in the comic that you send away for next to the sugar glider, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and then. You know, and, and then, uh, you know, so Norman is, uh, you know, again, he's doing his monologuing and how, ha, 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 you'll never beat me. You'll never defeat me. Ha, ha, ha. And then he decides to let him go. You know, he says, ah, here, it would have been an empty victory to defeat a foe so helplessly shackled. Therefore, I'll set you free. I'll prove I'm your master. It's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, again, just just more more stupid comic book cliches. I like uh, in, uh, in the flashback sequences that uh, there are times when the goblin should have been on a broomstick and he was on the glider. It was almost uh, like John Romita Sr. said, yeah, F and I'm not drawing that. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but really, uh, <laughs> the silliness aside, when you when you think about it, I mean, it really is a pretty intense battle because Norman is just throwing everything at him. Yeah. He's throwing ghosts. He's throwing gas bombs. He's throwing pumpkins. He's using his little sparkle sparkle blast or whatever. <laughs> you know, he's. Uh, you know, flying around on his glider and then like giving Spidey a face full of exhaust. I mean, Norman is just doing absolutely everything at him. Yeah. And then, you know, Spider-Man just You're like. You're making it sound like he's holding him down to fart on him. What is that? <laughs> Take that a whiff of my goblin gas. <laughs> Exactly. He's hopping on his jet-powered goblin glider. Now he'll be trickier, more maneuverable than ever. And then the goblin says, let me caution you against trying to sneak up behind me unless you enjoy the full brunt of a rocket blast. That's exactly, basically, basically, yeah, Norman's glider farts on him. So, wow, this fight club has taken a weird turn. Yeah. And then Spider-Man just, you know, knocks him off, right? You know, hits him so hard and he knocks him off his glider. And then Norman pulls out a, an electroshock whip. Uh, Which makes the then, same sound effect as his web shooter, Thwip. Which I don't think he right. used again. He does. I don't think he used again after this. Yeah. No, he didn't. Just like he never used the, um, uh, what else? Well, the flying broomstick. I was thinking he, he didn't use, he's only used the Sonic Toad once too, but that was Bart mm-hmm. Hamilton that used that. Um, but then a, he brings so dumb, out the fully toad. automated... You know, he brings out the fully automated goblin cannon. Uh, and oh and even your accursed strength can't save you from its lethal blast ray. It looks like uh, a, a hair dryer. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like a spotlight. <laughs> or a spotlight, yeah. yeah. Like, imagine they're fighting and then he just basically <laughs> just turns a spotlight on Spidey thinking it's some shit. And Spidey's like, are you kidding me right now? Look at Spider-Man's caption. Zat so? I'm all choked up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and then finally, you know, Spider-Man finally kicks him into um, in the face. And, well, he kicks him in the face, but he falls back into those live wires into the vat of chemicals, and then you know, Norman gets his massive electrical electrochemical shock. Yeah, and of course, you know, I mean, it doesn't kill him or anything like that, but it conveniently. <laughs> Conveniently gives him amnesia. You know, it doesn't burn him, you know, it you know, or it doesn't even make his hair stand on edge. Which that uh, would be a sight. <laughs> yeah. Because see, Spider Man is, you know, thinking, well, yeah, even if I kick this guy's ass, I mean he knows who I am. I mean, I'll march him to the police and he'll just say, tell you know, everybody who I am and he'll ruin my life and he'll and may'll die, you know, because she'll have one of them shocks, you know. Uh, and, and she'll just drop dead. Uh, but then, you know, he kicks Norman and Norman get Norman gets zapped and Norman has lost the entire last few years of his memory. You know, convenient. Can, yeah. 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 And, um, but so should I cover the fight now or <laughs> oh, he just did. I, I, you just did. It's like, I, it's like I threw it back to Jr. And hey, Jr. When and JR the, did the fight, JR just closed to the whole damn fight. <laughs> I what love it. This in Jr. <laughs> That'll teach you to throw to Jr. Terry's <laughs> like screwed up taking this category. No, over. he he did. He, he did the fight. It was well, great. This is the goblin. This is. I mean, God, this is. This is I, 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 it's not now. It's, it's like funnier this wrong. way anyway. I like it. <laughs> what's your? Yeah, what's the decision, Jr.? Yeah, what is the decision, Jr.? You're gonna come on and do history next time, George. Oh shit! I know. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll sit there and go, uh, George. Next month again. That's not what that's that's not what he said, George. That's not what he says. 
thought I had free reign. You turned well, it over to me. I thought I had tell, free reign. You can tell, you can tell your bit. passion for the character. I worked in JR talk about that for a little bit. And then you just do the whole thing. He did the whole fight. <laughs> hey, I just sat here quiet and laugh. I, I was like, you know, I was glad my webcam wasn't on so you couldn't see me laughing. <laughs> I was like, oh, JR's just going to do the whole thing. <laughs> I, I JR just, just I, stole my show. Look at this. this got, there's got, a fight club on Fight away. Club. It was just, I, I, the, the, the whole absurdity of Norman's insipid monologue just kind of like you know took control. The, so you're, I mean, it really is. It really is. It's one of the it's one of the worst oh. supervillain monologues ever. But so. the time it was high drama. How how in the world if it's one of the worst superhero. Uh, what, what did you say it was? Monologue. Super villain like, monologue. Super villain mon- Then why is this your favorite villain? Uh, that's a long story. Yeah, what does that say about you, Jack? Is- <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I mean, is because if his, his first reveal... Just, it, just, be, just, because, just because the Green Goblin is my favorite villain doesn't mean I can't point out the absurdities. I mean, I know, but I this can, is one uh, of the highlights can, of the I, character. I, I, can sit here and, I can sit here and make fun of Star Trek with the best of any of them. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes it's just you love something so much. You know, yeah. you love it so much, but you're not blind to its faults. But, well, this but, has you know, got to be no, one I, of the top, top two, I would think. Like, this this is his reveal and his death in 121-122. Ah. <sighs> It just the the whole the whole thing with with Norman and the Goblin go, though it's just it's just kind of that duality, mm-hmm. you know more or less. I mean the you know Nor, you know the, Norman is, uh, you know he walks around in a business suit. You know it's it's like it, Norman really is in a way the costume. Uh, yeah. and, and the green goblin is the identity. Norman walks around. He, he, he hangs around, um, you know, rich people or rich people and goes to functions and belongs to hoity toity country clubs and presses flesh with politicians. And he's just, but inside he's just a monster. He's just an absolute yeah. unhinged monster. Uh, and, but he's able to fool everybody. And Peter is really the only one who can see it. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like, uh, Roddy, Roddy Piper and his glasses from they live, you know, uh, you know, but, but, you know, there's this, this monster walking around pretending to be a human being. And Peter is the only one who can see it. Um, and, but see, but the thing is, Norman is the only one who sees him for what he is as well. Um, and it was just that kind of uh, the fact that they just each knew more about each other than anybody else did. It, it bonded them in a strange kind of way uh, because they, they it, knew it, each other. In, in a Joker and Batman kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. knew each other's secrets. And, uh, and and then is it, you know, is it developed? And, and I remember someone saying that, uh, you know, whereas they thought that Doc Ock was Spider-Man's greatest villain, that Norman Osborn is Peter Parker's greatest villain. And I thought, yeah, you know what? That that does kind of make sense. It really is. I mean, because it stopped being about, it, it, you know, whereas in, in in all of Spider-Man's other battles, you know, with, with vi- supervillains or whatever, it was always Spider-Man and the villain, Spider-Man and the villain. But here, it's something personal. It's between <clears throat> the men within the costumes. And, and that's kind of why I always was was drawn to that. Plus... You know, I, I kind of relate to the Osborne family dynamic in a way. I mean, uh, now that I'm older, you know, and um, you know, I, 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 you know, I was, I was a son trying to, uh, uh, you know, trying to uh, get my father's approval and trying to understand my father and not knowing why he was the way he was. I mean, he was, you know, he was a, very much a man of his times, uh, and uh, he was very difficult to get to know. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I had that feeling, but then. 
when I got older and I had children of my own, now I'm on the other side, desperately trying to relate to my kids <laughs> and not knowing how. So, yeah, yeah it's a, it's, but no, that I mean, the, I, char- come the on. character speaks to you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, come on, we, we, we make fun of all these all the time. I, I mean, know. it's, uh, that's part of, that's part of the, uh, uh, that's part of our affection for it. Yeah. You know, and, George, uh, who won the fight? <laughs> well, I mean, Spider-Man obviously won this one, but he put, Norman put up a heck of a battle. Yeah, I guess we're not going to get a decision out of Jr. <laughs> <laughs> that was me well, trying no, to I mean, bring it back. Show, this is your show, George. I, I did all the work oh, for totally you. Oh, it feels you... like it. <laughs> yeah. here, here, here we are, 10 feet in front of the, here, here we are, 10 feet in front of the finish line. Go carry me the rest of the way, George. <laughs> decision, Spider-Man. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. We had Norman win one. We had Spider-Man win the second He won one. the first round, but, I mean, this was a one-sided ass-kicking in this issue, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sorry. I mean, like, yeah. he, he adapts very quickly to everything that Norman tries to do to him. And then, like, I mean, you know, he, he has an answer for everything that Norman tries to do to him in this in this second part of the fight. He, he never really gets the upper hand on, on Spider-Man. In this issue, if so I'm yeah. The, the, as far as ASM forty is concerned, it's a one sided ass world. Yeah. And if you in, in that, go ahead. No, I was about to say in this. You know, we last month uh, we talked about uh, Spider Man and Wolverine fight. You know, and how I didn't like how Spider Man was acting like a candy ass or whatever, and being afraid of Wolverine, afraid of these big scary KGB agents with guns and stuff. No, I mean, like George says, Spider Man adapts very quickly. You know. And I mean, Spider-Man is a warrior. He is a proven, experienced warrior, you know. And, but so Wolverine shouldn't scare him. You know, KGB agents shouldn't scare him. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and you know, it's, it's, you know, he, and, and this is an excellent reason why. I mean, we see how quickly <clears throat> Spider-Man adapts to a situation, mm-hmm. you know. So, so then, you know, 20 years later where he's, you know, where he's all boohooing and afraid, I'm, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. No, no, I don't buy it. Let's, I think Norman has the last laugh in this issue, though. Why is that? Because at, at, at the end of the issue, uh, clearly we, we see uh, Peter uh, stricken with disease. <laughs> I, and, I, and, I do like at the end the bolt, the hero and the villain are in bed. <laughs> I mean, not together. And, but <laughs> and, and, Norman, and Norman's got like a little cup. Uh, and and a sippy straw of yeah. like a, what is it like big like big red what is that? <laughs> I it doesn't look like it. Peter's got soup being fed to him from Aunt May and uh, what is it looks like a uh, what are those those uh, they mix chemicals in uh, a beaker a, be- a beaker it looks like there's a big beaker next to a sippy cup or a flask yeah. yeah. Next, yeah, it looks like it's like like it's big red. Yeah, or, yeah. Probably, probably Norman was mixing other things. He didn't have any idea what they were either. You know, <laughs> the hospitals bring him various things to drink or whatever. So I'll just throw all these together and see what I can well, make. He, he used it's, to be it's a bartender. Time for your Thorazine and, and carrot juice, Mister Mister Osborne. <laughs> uh, good fight, George. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a great yeah. fight. And here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, and this is why you shouldn't be a goddamn monster like Jr. <laughs> what a setup um, that is! Because you have when you read stories like this, and this make no make no bones about it. Jr. can sit here and, and crap on the monologues and and the way that you know this all came down uh, all the live long day. And when we look through through, through the prism of decades, yeah, it's 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 a little jarring. 
but you can't look at it that way. You have to remember that this was a product of its times. This is how storytelling went down a lot of the times back then. And for a Marvel comic, this is a you know this is an incredibly significant couple of issues. Again, like we said earlier, not just for the story, but for you know, but creatively. Mm-hmm. And it really did bring in a sea change with Spider-Man stories. And so you have to remember that when you when you're reading it. And yeah, I mean, I mean sure, there's goofy dialogue. Like uh, when he throws out the be- you know the razor bats and he's like get him my little flying pets or the frog I never did like the frog <clears throat> you know I mean when things like that happen yeah it's corny today but back then it wasn't back then it was actually really cool yeah so you have you have to remember that back in the back of your head and not be a monster like Jr. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna end well, the show I'll, like that <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll set aside being a monster uh, uh, and actually kind of meet George halfway here when you compare like this for example to Spider Man Blue. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people liked Spider-Man Blue for various reasons. I wasn't that fond of it for various reasons. But as corny as, like, this story is, 39 and 40, I mean, when you read this issue and then, like, the next six months, uh, you know, which is kind of the time period that Spider-Man Blue covered, I mean, this stuff is really intense. A lot is really packed in there. A lot of fighting, a lot of talking, a lot of dialogue, a lot of emotion, a lot of angst. Yep. Today's modern storytelling, maybe it's a little more sophisticated, but when you stack these stories up against like Spider-Man Blue, it's amazing how much less story Spider-Man yes. Blue has than this. And and another thing to remember, um, or not to remember, but I, I think it's it's significant to talk about, especially in like, you know, we've just done or I say we, Brad just did the interview with Jerry Conway. Um by the time we get to Jerry Conway and we do, you know, we get to one twenty and one twenty one. Which read completely different from this. Yeah. Um, you have to realize that this had to happen before that could happen. Mm-hmm. You know? So so I, I, I would say, yes, while a lot of the dialogue doesn't hold up by today's standards, uh, some of the you know, some of the things that the goblin does doesn't really hold up by today's standards. You have to you have to also think of it by yesterday's standards as well.